Welcome back, Aspire Leaders. I hope you are able to sit back, relax, find a comfy place to drink a warm cup of Papa Rob's coffee and soak up all the wonderful information from our awesome guest, Bobby Policino. But before we begin, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Toddle. Toddle is an all-in-one teaching and learning platform used by over 40,000 educators around the world. If you want to learn more, head over to toddleapp.com to learn about the many features offered in this wonderful platform, hear from other educators on how it has transformed their campus, and dig into the many studies on how they streamlined all their teaching and learning needs with the Toddle application. Today's guest is Bobby Policino. He's the head of upper school at Bullis School in Maryland. He has served as a school administrator for over 15 years. He's an author and speaker, and I'm so excited for you to hear our conversation surrounding leadership principles in regards to relationships, the mental, physical, and spiritual aspects of leadership, and the many decisions we have to make every day. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Bobby, thank you so much for joining me on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Thanks, Josh. Excited to be here. Well, Bobby, I got a chance to learn a little bit about yourself. You were doing some phenomenal things, but I would love for my audience to hear about your educational and leadership journey. Sure. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share. Did not have any plans or intention to get into education. Didn't know that's a path I was going to be on, but um, had an opportunity to go to a boarding school shortly after graduating from college and uh, found out that I love teaching and coaching. It was something I didn't think I would, but really enjoyed it. Uh, after four years at a boarding school, I moved up to a school outside of Washington, D.C., the Bullis School, which is a K-12 independent school, um, currently head of the upper school there. Uh, started out as a science teacher, uh, also coaching varsity soccer, varsity lacrosse. Um, became a dean of students after four years, um, and I'm in my ninth year uh, in this role as head of the upper school, and I've really enjoyed it, uh, and I've grown quite a bit and, and look forward to share some of that with people. Yeah, I would love to dive into that uh, because one of the things that you're passionate about is your personal growth, and I know there's a lot of people listening right now that might be struggling within their own journey and I know sure. that you have a lot of tactics that have kind of helped you throughout your time as as an administrator. So will you share a little bit about how you grew personally? Yeah. You know, number one for me comes down to humility and uh, the Marshall Goldsmith quote of what got you here won't get you there. And, you know, recognizing pretty quickly as a, as a principal or head of an upper school that what got me there was just not going to move forward. And, and realizing in my second year that I really needed to start to find some ways that I could develop as a leader. Um, you know, in my book, I have in the introduction a quote from Zeno. I made a prosperous voyage when I suffered a shipwreck. And I talk about being in the meeting and my boss asking if I had my finger on the pulse of the faculty. And I said, no, I don't. And not because I don't care, don't want to. Just sort of my upbringing, my experience as a student athlete, my experience in my own home growing up was it was not so much about feelings, but whether or not you did your job. And so I sort of felt like teachers just come in and do their job. I shouldn't have to motivate or inspire or engage with. And, you know, they were just there. They knew what they needed to do. Um, and I was wrong. And I needed to to hear that. I needed to recognize that. And uh, through some 
some new practices and some new habits, including uh, daily and weekly reflections, increasing the amount of time I was spending reading, uh, whether it be articles uh, or books. Um, I really found ways that I could uh, grow as a leader and in turn help people on my team and help them grow. I think a lot of people feel the same way when they first started as administration is not understanding how to get a pulse and start building those relationships. So what were some principles and strategies that you used to kind of hone in on getting those relationships be a little bit deeper with your staff? You know, one was asking questions, you know, and recognizing that as teachers, they're the ones that are that are always giving to kids, always, you know, asking them the questions, always trying to figure out where they are. Um, and too often, no one's checking in with them to say, how, how are things going? You know, what's happening, you know, asking them about their personal life as well. And just sending that message that you care and that you are interested in their growth and their well-being, you know, asking them about maybe future plans and and how you can help them around professional development or or opportunities there. So asking questions is absolutely important. Um, Sharing more about my own journey. You know, there were some times uh, in faculty meetings when we would talk about the benefits of reflection and I would actually put a reflection I had in the Google Doc up on a screen for people to see and sort of to be vulnerable and to be open, you know, um, no one's expecting you to be perfect. And if you try to put on this air that you are, that you have everything figured out, um, that can be intimidating. That can lead to people feeling like they can't approach you. Um, but when you start showing some vulnerability, you start sharing questions you have, concerns you have, things you're unsure of or even scared of, you know, that really helps people see you in a different light. And then the last one I would say is appreciation and gratitude, you know, recognizing the work that people are doing and letting them know that you see them and that you appreciate them. Everybody, you know, enjoys that. Different folks want that appreciation shown in different ways. And I think it's important to learn that as well. I want to talk about, you know, that gratitude piece. And were there some strategies that you use to understand or was that something that you just kind of felt out over time with your staff? That's something just felt that over time, you know, especially because it wasn't something that I was used to. It wasn't something that I necessarily grew up seeing. You know, again, going back to my upbringing was, you know, if the trash needs to be taken out, you take the trash out. Doesn't matter how you feel. And so it was more, you know, paying attention to what other people were doing, whether it was through reading, you know, what people were posting on LinkedIn or Twitter um, or other social media places or going to conferences and just hearing about that and just finding different ways that, that you could do that. Um, and I continue to grow around that aspect. Uh, you know, I love what Lainey Rowell's done with her book, Evolving, Gra- Evolving with Gratitude, and yeah. she's got a great podcast on that as well. So I think we can constantly sort of grow in that area. Um, and I think that's the most important thing for leaders is, you know, to continue to look at ways that your team wants to be appreciated, wants to be acknowledged. Some folks really want their name said in a faculty meeting. Other folks, a handwritten card is that much more important or an email or whatever it may be. Just find the ways that they, you know, like to be acknowledged. And that's an ongoing process because you have new new folks in the building every single year. Yeah, it's true. So, Bobby, you had mentioned it, you have a book, Principal Leader. I would love for you just to share a little bit about that book. I think it's going to really help us kind of outline the rest of our conversation. Sure. So I had not intended to write a book. You know, in, in 2017, I was in the second year in the role and I 
just started jotting down ideas that I was finding, again, from articles or books or podcasts, you know, how could I be a better leader? What what can I do to improve and grow? Um, how can I be a better father, a better husband? You know, all of these different ways that I could grow and improve. And then, you know, in, in March of 2020, when everything sort of shut down, you know, I didn't change a whole lot about my routine. You know, I talk in the book about sort of my morning routine and and I didn't change that, mm-hmm. even though I didn't have to get up and leave and drive to the brick and mortar school building anymore or get my kids up early enough to get to school on time. You know, I suddenly had this extra 90 minutes in the morning. So I wasn't commuting. I wasn't getting breakfast for the kids. I wasn't making sure they were dressed. And I started to write intentionally every morning for an hour and that's sort of where you know the book came from i broke it down into a handful of categories relationship principles leadership principles fitness principles which i broke down into mental physical and spiritual um, decision making principles and then also leadership strategies and sort of ways for um, aspiring or current leaders to just pick up the book and quite honestly it's you don't have to go front to back. You can just dive into a particular chapter, a different particular area that you want to maybe grow or learn about. And, and hopefully it, it will help folks in that area. Yeah. So if you don't mind, I'd love to kind of break down those different principles of the book, because I think that's so timely for, you know, what we're all going through right now in, in the school year. So as far as the leadership principles and strategies, what are some things that, you know, you're advising either aspiring or current leaders? You know, one is to get to know your team, you know, find a way to do that, whatever that may be. Um, And as you're going through that process, you know, making a note of, you know, what makes them tick, what they're looking to do and identifying ways that that you can grow them and support them. Um, Asking questions and being curious, you know, when when people come in with questions, with concerns, you know, don't be that leader that is ready to solve every problem that makes you feel wanted, maybe. And at the end of the day, you can say, I did all these great things and check it off a list. But that person's going to be back in your office and you didn't really help them. You solved their issue in that moment, but they didn't get a chance to grow. They didn't get a chance to learn other than they can come back to you the next time they have a problem. So empower your team by taking their questions and putting it back on them in a way to grow them and develop them. Not in a way that says, I'm too busy for you, because that's definitely not the message we want to send. Um, so you may have to do some role play, some practice with that, you know, with a colleague, a thought partner, and just sort of work through what that may look like. Um, and then the other piece, I think, is communication, evaluating how you communicate with your team. You know, questions I ask myself, you know, what do I know? Who else needs to know this? And have I told them? You know, sometimes we make assumptions that people just know what we're thinking or know what we said because we put it in an email. But, you know, find those different modalities to share that message to make sure people are hearing it. You know, um, children get scared at night in the dark because they don't know what's there and they start to conjure things up in their mind. Right. We do the same thing as adults, except it tends to be with information. When we don't know what's happening, we start to create ideas. We start to create narratives in our mind. And then that scares us. It gets us concerned. But if we just had the information that's out there and it was made available to us, then we don't head down that path. And that will really help you as a leader. No, it's so true. I, I have lived both those things in my, in my journey, Bobby. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks as we're talking. 
This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Let's shift over to the next one. So relationship principles, what, what can you share with our aspiring leaders? If, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, after every interaction, you've either built up and strengthened that relationship or you've weakened it. It's very rare that you leave an interaction with a neutral feeling. And so as a leader, you have to recognize that that moment that you have with somebody is going to leave an impact with them. And it can either be positive or negative. And that has a lot to do with, you know, your body language, the tone of your voice, the message you delivered, how you delivered it, all of those different aspects. And so being very mindful of what you're saying in the moment and how you're communicating. You know, something I I had heard another leader say several years ago, uh, he he was sharing a story about he was uh, having breakfast with his wife and said, I got all these meetings, these teacher meetings I got to check in with and evaluations. And his wife said to him, you know, for some of those teachers, this might be the only 15 or 20 minutes they get in your office with just the two of you. And so while you may think this is meeting five of 10, for them, it's one of one. And so, you know, keeping that in mind and thinking about that every time you're engaging with somebody, because as I said, you know, that relationship's either getting stronger or weaker, depending on, you know, how you treated that person. Yeah, I love that perspective. You know, especially when you have thousands of people in your building, you don't really realize how many opportunities you really have to to touch their lives or have a positive conversation with them right. um, each time. So I think it's such a, a wonderful lens to have. Next topic I'm very intrigued by because I think this is more about kind of what you were referring to with your routines and your personal practices. And I'm assuming this is something that has made you a better person also. So your your fitness principles. Yeah. And as I said, I, I broke that down into physical, mental and spiritual I think, you know, we've seen a, a lot of research, um, you know, since the, the pandemic. And obviously we, we knew this before, but, you know, physical exercise has such an important role on our mental health and well-being. And so developing some sort of routine that works for you. Uh, and I think that, you know, is also important for us as leaders. Sometimes we're very quick to say this is what you should do. Right. This is what works. And you can find a lot of leaders that will tell you that, you know, Twitter, you know, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, people will tell you exactly what you need to do to be better, you know, with this morning routine. You know, maybe you can just go for a walk for 10 minutes at lunch. You know, maybe you can, you know, go for, you know, walk the dog when you get home for 15 minutes, whatever works for you. Maybe it's biking, maybe it's swimming, but just finding something where you can have some physical movement and exercise every day in a time that works for you. You know, I talk in the book about my routine starts at 4.30. Um, and I was trying to figure out, do I want to put that in the book? Because I don't know if it'll be 4.30 forever. Um, but the reason it's at 4.30 is because I have three children. I have two dogs. From 4.30 to 5.30, I don't have – all of my responsibilities are sleeping, right? So I can just focus on what I need to do. And also for me personally, when I get home at the end of the day – I don't want to have something else I need to do. So that's why I do that. Not because it's the only way to do it. The mental piece, you know, I found that a reflecting, a reflection practice works well for me. And again, this can take so many different forms. For some people, it's before they go to bed. They just think about or they write about their day to sort of empty their mind so they can go to bed 
with sort of a, a clear mind. Uh, for me personally, I write every morning for about 10 minutes. I just brain dump what happened the day before. And then I shift to the current day um, with a few questions. Uh, you know, what were my wins yesterday? So I could build on those today. My lessons learned. Again, how can I take that forward? What's next? So now I'm really starting to think about the day ahead. And then what are you grateful for? And I list three things there. And that sort of gets me in the right frame of mind. So for me, it's a morning reflection. Again, for everybody, I think it's a little bit different. Um, and then I also do a meditation. I use the Headspace app, which is free for educators. Um, so I think folks should check that out. They have courses. They have singles. It can be as it could be five breaths or it could be a 30 minute unguided sound meditation, which I am I am not there yet. Uh, for me, I'm in the I'm in the five to seven minute window is yep. sort of where I am uh, when it comes to meditation. Um, but again, I think figuring that out for you and what works and not going into this with I need to be running a marathon in six months or I need to be meditating for an hour a day. It's just just starting something. And then the last one is spiritual. And that can take on so many different lenses and perspectives. It doesn't have to be a religion. It certainly can be for some. But for me, the spiritual piece is recognizing that you are a part of something that's much bigger than you. You know, for some folks, they talk about surfing and and just the waves and that connection that they feel. For others, it's going for a walk in the woods um, and just sort of being surrounded by nature. It may be praying for you, you know, just figuring out sort of what is it for you that as you feel connected to something larger. And I think that tie will tie right back into the, the mental fitness as well. 100%. I love everything you're saying. And I think it's so important, especially we talk about being so busy and the reflection process specifically is what I'm thinking of. We just don't really put much time to it. I'm myself, right. I'm guilty of this also. I've had to be extremely intentional, but I mean, I think we have to be intentional with all of those aspects that you're talking about as far as the mental, physical, and spiritual aspects of our life. And I don't know about you, but every time I do one of those things, I feel so much better about, like just about life in general. Absolutely. Where I'm starting to question myself, why don't I do this every day? Right. And, you know, when I first started, for example, with my reflection, I would just do Monday through Friday. And I was like, well, I'm sort of reflecting on work and I wouldn't do it on the weekends. You know, and it's one of those examples, I think, where sometimes um, our schools get the best of us. And our families get the rest of us yeah. or what's left over. Uh, and I needed to recognize that this reflection isn't just about going in and, and being great at school. It's also about who am I as a person? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's part of what I was trying to do in the book as well. Is sometimes we give our best at, at school and it's not there for people at home. Or maybe we're making certain choices at home that we're not bringing to school. And sort of how do we how do we have alignment? Because when we don't, we have that cognitive dissonance. And then we're trying to figure out who we are and what moment. And that just adds a whole nother layer of stress onto what is already a stressful profession. I'm going to pause for a moment to let you know that this episode is also brought to you by Papa Rob's Coffee. This is by far my favorite coffee in the world because it is incredibly fresh and tastes amazing. Head over to PapaRobsCoffee.com to see the many varieties of wonderful medium and dark blends. And when you check out of course, don't forget to use the code ASPIRE15 to get 15% off your entire order. This is only for Aspire to Lead listeners, so make sure you take advantage of this code. Now, back to the episode. 
All right, so let's hit the last one here. Decision-making principles as a leader. What is this talking about in your book? So I definitely pulled from Shane Parrish and Farnham Street, and he has a great, uh, um, he has a book out, but you can also read about mental models on his uh, website. And just looking at how we go through and make our decisions. And as school leaders, you know, what's your circle of competence? Know what you know and areas that you don't know. Go and ask help, ask questions, get input from other people. Um, The last thing you want to do is make a decision without having as much information as you can. You're probably never going to have all the information, but you can have more. Another one is, is second order principles around if I make this decision, what will happen next? And then what will happen next? So really looking at those cascading effects of our decision making, because none of our decisions happen in a vacuum. Um, but we don't always stop to think about that. And then the last one around here that I like to bring back to relationships is Hanlon's razor, which is really about assuming best intentions. And, you know, that idea that when we go to sort of worst case scenario, that's all it's going to impact the relationship we have with that person. We're putting ourselves in this mindset as opposed to just saying, what is the best outcome that can happen here? And then how can I ensure that that happens? It may not happen exactly that way, but being in the right frame of mind is so important with that. I love everything you're saying. And for my listeners, please make sure you check out in the show notes, Principal Leader. There's a link there. Click on it. Make sure you grab this fantastic book. And then I want to mention also, you've got a Principal Leader newsletter. So if someone's interested in getting more information about that, how would they do that? Yes. So if you go on the website, you can subscribe to the newsletter, which comes out on the first and third Wednesday of every month. Uh, And I take a principle from the book and then apply that to uh, relationships, leadership and fitness. Uh, And so that you get that, like I said, twice a month, um, just sort of expanding on uh, the topics that you would learn about if you purchase the book on Amazon. Wonderful. So, Bobby, I always like asking this question for aspiring and current leaders. If there was something they could do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? I would encourage them to seek feedback, you know, ask people for feedback on the work that they are doing. And it has to be, you know, deep sort of thoughtful questions, which you can find plenty of those, you know, through some research going to Google, not just uh, am I doing a good job? you know, but something a little bit deeper along the lines of, you know, what is something that I do that leaves you feeling supported? Or what's one way that I don't support you? And so, and then take that feedback and reflect on that and see how you can implement it to be better, you know, moving forward. And and the more that we do that, the more that we can continue to grow. We do. We ask for feedback, but then it's sometimes too general and we don't really understand, yeah. you know, the job that we're really doing. Bobby, I want my listeners to connect with you as soon as possible on social media. So how can you do that? So uh, I'm on Twitter, at Bobby Policino. I also have a LinkedIn page as well that they can go to. And they can also go to my website, bobbypolicino.com, and can uh, email me through the website or, like I said, subscribe to the newsletter. And I'd be happy to uh, connect with anybody through email as well. They can reach out to me at bobbypolicino at gmail.com. Awesome. I'm going to subscribe right now as soon as we get off with this call to get that newsletter myself. And then (laughs) I'm going to have all those links in the show notes. So make sure that you're connecting with Bobby. He is a wealth of information. And Bobby, I I just appreciate you so much. Not only what you're doing in, in your building, but all over the country. Your book is phenomenal. And I am just so fortunate to be able to have you on Aspire to Lead. Thank you so much, Josh. I really appreciated the time.